Hello, and welcome to Not So Niche, a health and wellness podcast where we dissect the unattainable narrative we've been given about health and start to see it as something for everyone and every body. I'm your host, Ariana Kay, and I'm a fitness instructor, wellness advocate, and someone who's struggled with a broken view of health for a long time. Join me as I discover new ways to view ourselves and our wellness as whole and beautiful. I also wanted to mention that while I'm learning and have experience in this area, I'm not a medical professional. So if you hear anything that triggers you today or makes you think you might be struggling with disordered eating, your diet, or health, please ask a trusted medical professional such as a registered dietitian, doctor, or therapist who specializes in anti-diet care. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let's get into it. Welcome back and almost Merry Christmas. I am back in Massachusetts for the holidays right now and very busy. Honestly, I probably should have batched episodes, but alas. So today I'm bringing in some stories from my personal life and sharing some of them in hopes that maybe it helps you too. Recently, I've noticed a lot of things and habits that I used to have that I didn't even realize at the time were signs of disordered eating. I think a lot of us fall into these habits or these thoughts, so today I wanted to talk about these signs and how to move past them so you might be able to recognize them in yourself and seek help or just check your thoughts and actions. I also want to say that this episode might be a little more triggering than past episodes as it contains stories and descriptions of disordered patterns, so please make sure to check in with yourself and consult a trusted medical professional if you find that you might need help. All right, let's jump into it. So one of my first signs that I didn't even realize was really a thing was that I would feel proud that I hadn't eaten all day. And honestly, this does come from um, recent stories as well. And either this feeling would come from myself realizing that I'd forgotten to eat or that when I would tell people, it would almost seem like an accomplishment in my mind. I've noticed this in other people and in friends as well. And it's pretty common, I think, sometimes when we like skip a meal or something, it almost gives us a feeling of satisfaction. But really, this is a disordered pattern. It's telling ourselves that, oh, and we don't eat, that's a good thing. And that food is ultimately something that's bad. But changing that thinking to think of fueling yourself or energizing yourself, really giving yourself food to benefit yourself is is going to help with that. Second, I would look up workouts that would help me look a certain way. So I remember from when I first started doing bar, I looked up bar body and wondered what that workout would give me. I did the workout for, I did that that same thing actually for any workout that I took part in, looking for the workout that would give me the best quote unquote burn and not the one that I liked the most. I took up jump rope during the pandemic and I actually did it for this reason. Although I did learn to like it as well, but initially I started jump rope because of the results that it might give me. I didn't really want to run all that much because it was winter and I wanted something that was, you know, just as effective and easy. And so I started jump roping. And that really points to this feeling of I'm only exercising or working out in order to change my body aesthetic or change my weight. And that can really lead or be disordered. Third, telling myself 
not to eat in front of certain people. So I told myself that restriction was a virtue and that if people didn't see me eat, they would perceive me differently. So being extra cautious of food intake around family and sometimes friends, this habit creates and shows disordered eating because it means that your relationship with food is that of high value and low value foods. This habit is formed out of a relationship with food that says that consumption of food is always negative to your health. And it says that small is best no matter what. It doesn't allow you to follow hunger cues at all and does not follow intuitive eating principles at all. Even just regular eating principles of, you know, eating for energy, eating for health, it doesn't allow that at all. Fourth was loving the feeling of hunger. So this is a super common symptom of eating disorders, but can look differently for many different people. I learned to like the feeling of an empty stomach and it became almost my base feeling. This means that I wasn't honoring my hunger cues and was actually feeling morally good when I didn't. If you find that you're not honoring your hunger cues, think about why and how you can potentially change that. Five, feeling morally good when I said no to certain things. Examples like ice cream, cookies, things that I deemed as morally bad. So I placed a a moral high value on certain foods and felt extremely bad when I consumed things that were on the low value of the scale for me. This means that you can't enjoy certain things. It severely restricts your ability to participate with others and see food as something to enjoy. And it limits what you can consume, which falls under disordered eating principles. Six, I said that I would run so that I can have a treat. So this kind of goes along with the last one, but because I saw something wrong with consuming certain foods, I would feel that I had to exercise or eat really well the next day in order to make up for it or quote unquote burn it off. This is one of the most prominent messages society gives us today, and it's completely disordered because it doesn't allow you to partake in certain foods or activities without justifying it somehow. Seventh, I'll be a better athlete if my body looks like this. So I grew up dancing and running. Honestly, it was a double whammy for body image disorders and constantly struggled with body dysmorphia from a very young age. I assumed that the key to becoming a better runner was to become really thin because that's what a lot of what I thought I saw and what I assumed I didn't look like. So I would purposefully not fuel myself and train extra hard in pursuit of what I thought was a runner's body. Now, this is very common, especially in athletes, is seeing examples of certain bodies that are doing well in that sport and assuming that you need to look like that. We all have different bodies and different body composure. And so even if you try, you're really not going to look exactly like that. And you at your best might look very different than someone else at their best. And so it's more important to pay attention to those intuitive eating cues in order to fuel yourself and give yourself what you need to become a good athlete instead of going after a certain body composure. Eighth, if I eat after a certain time, my body won't digest it properly and I will just gain the weight. This was something that I was told was actually a good idea. So don't after eat after 10 p.m. because your food will just sit there 
And while first that's not true, it also is not allowing you to honor your hunger cues at all. And it doesn't allow you to adapt to your day-to-day lifestyle. You know, sometimes I would be at practice super late or in college, like sometimes I would be studying or working or whatever, and I would have to eat at different times. And sometimes I would be in the pool till like, you know, nine and I hadn't eaten a big breakfast because I didn't want to eat a ton of food before I went in the pool. So it's just like you have to be willing to adapt to your day-to-day schedule and make sure that you're getting the fuel that you need. And telling yourself that you can't eat after a certain time is really restricting what you can allow yourself to do, um, which can easily fall into disorder. Nine, putting thoughts in others people in other people's heads and thinking that was all they thought of me. So I still fall victim to this a lot, and I think a lot of us do, but I found that I would assume others were thinking primarily of what my body looked like and my weight. And I really could not get past that. I would be body checking and worrying about social events because of how people would see me. And this was a huge thing, honestly, for my wedding. And it seriously takes all the joy out of the moments. I learned to get past it like on my wedding day. But I will say, especially for like brides or birthdays or just anything coming up, it takes all the joy out of the moment if that's what you're what you're constantly thinking about. I really do want my body to be the least interesting thing about me. I think part of that is checking in with yourself. Um, like, is this the the biggest thing that I'm thinking about? And like, what is getting in the way of me enjoying this? And I think part of it is also having someone with you to check in with you and to remind you and to you know, make sure that you are being able to enjoy the moment as well. So having someone that's kind of there to help can be, can be a really helpful thing. 10, being proud when someone complimented my workout routine, eating habits, or when, when some of those things are really disordered. So I thrived off of compliments about, oh, she's super fit, or how do you eat so healthy? Because they fueled my inner critic and disordered eating. I had to move past this by asking people not to comment on these things or not to pay attention to them. I think people can still comment on the work ethic of an athlete or the accomplishment of running certain miles or, you know, whatever, but it's not something to be praised over other attributes. This falls back into the healthism mindset of valuing health above all else. So instead, we can appreciate people fully. And a lot of times too, specifically with people who are really struggling with disordered eating or um, a diagnosed eating disorder, these comments can be the biggest, you know, fueling factor to continue their habits and their disordered eating. Because, you know, say they really don't want to partake in um, like their cutting carbs. Maybe that's something that's not really healthy for them, but they're thinking, oh, I I can't eat bread. And someone says, wow, like you didn't take the bread like that. I wish I could do that. That comment is going to feel so good and it's going to fuel that disordered pattern of continually not engaging in that activity. And so making sure that we focus on Um, a person's full 
attributes and not value health over all others. And maybe just quit those comments in general, honestly. So 11, thinking I didn't have an eating disorder because I wasn't really losing weight and wasn't considered underweight. So according to the Eating Recovery Center, um, atypical anorexia is used when an individual meets all of the criteria for anorexia nervosa, except that despite significant weight loss, the individual's weight is within or above the normal range, end quote. So some of you may have heard of atypical anorexia before, or maybe this is the first time that you are actually hearing about it. But it's becoming increasingly talked about because we're seeing that weight is becoming less of a factor in um, some of these eating disorders as well. So weight is not the only factor in in diagnosing disordered eating. And in fact, there are a lot of symptoms that may be more telling that actually have nothing to do with weight. So if you think that you might be struggling with disordered eating or an an eating disorder, please go to a doctor or registered dietitian that are certified in intuitive eating um, counseling because they have the tools that will be able to help you. Any sites that are still using BMI as the main factor in diagnosing are probably way outdated and have information that actually might harm you or may think you're disqualified from receiving help. But everyone, no matter your status, should be able to receive help from medical professionals because this work is with people and every person's symptoms in life vary. It's not about checking off symptoms boxes. That can help, but it's better to talk to a professional if you think that you might need the help. Many of these examples today are actually examples of cognitive distortions. Very well describes them saying, quote, cognitive distortions are inaccurate or exaggerated thoughts or thought patterns. They're sometimes also referred to as dysfunctional, negative, or automatic thoughts, end quote. And, quote, thoughts, emotions, and behaviors are linked. So these automatic thoughts or cognitive distortions can lead to disordered behaviors, end quote. The Central Coast Treatment Center describes them saying, quote, cognitive distortions are habitual errors in thinking, meaning the way you interpret events is usually negatively biased. These types of thoughts are usually inaccurate or exaggerated. These types of distortions are, if reinforced, can increase mental health struggles such as anxiety, depression, or disordered eating, end quote. Some of the most common examples of cognitive distortions are all-or-nothing thinking or polarized thinking. So when life looks black and white, like there's a right or wrong or perfection or failure, this can be really harmful with disordered eating because it tells us that if we're not behaving perfectly in one way, it's not worth it and we should give it up completely. We see this a lot with dieting. Um, Like if someone takes up a diet Um, If they're not doing it 100%, then, oh, it's not worth it at all to do this behavior. And that's why diets can be super, super harmful. So you may have heard of the 75 challenge, um, 75 hard, which blew up on TikTok a while ago. One of the rules of the challenge is that if you fail one of the aspects, you have to completely start your 75 days over. This falls into disordered patterns of thinking where if you don't succeed perfectly, you'll have to begin again on all your work because it will be for nothing. Non-diet thinking tells us the exact opposite. It tells us to follow intuition and not to see choices as better or worse. When you fall into the all-or-nothing thinking, it can be really easy to blame yourself and fall into patterns that really harm you. Personalization. 
So blaming yourself completely for things that are out of your control are not your fault. This can look like blaming situations on your body, eating, or lifestyle patterns when really the situations have nothing to do with that. Using should. So one of my favorite podcasts, um, What We Said, one of the hosts, Chelsea Curtis, calls this shoulding on yourself. I don't know if she completely came up with that, but that's where I kind of heard it from. So constantly telling yourself that you should be doing this or that only if I had done this or, oh, I, I really should have done this or I ought to do this. This pattern of thinking makes you blame yourself for things that didn't happen and lets you fall into creating situations that aren't real. It doesn't let yourself follow your gut. So change it from I should work out to I feel like moving my body today. Next, disqualifying the positive. The Central Coast Treatment Center says, quote, discounting the good things that have happened or that you have done for some reason or another or twisting positive feedback into negative reinforcement, end quote. And that's how they describe disqualifying the positive. I would enjoy my wedding more if I was thinner. That's an example. Or another one says, my doctor says I look healthy, but that probably means I gained weight and that's a bad thing. So really looking at these positive things and taking them out because you see the negative part of it and that's all you can see. Next, labeling. Giving yourself a label like I am this or I am a this person. Labeling does not allow us to consider ourselves as complex people with complex personalities and complex lives with trauma. Labeling just looks at one part of yourself and you can only focus on that part. So consider seeing yourself as someone with multiple facets. Take out any of those labels and really pay attention to when you are using labels for yourself or for others. Next, magnification, minimizing, and catastrophizing. So the Central Coast Treatment Center says, quote, blowing things out of proportion, catastrophizing, or inappropriately shrinking something to make it seem less important, end quote. This was an, a big one, as you saw for me before, and I think a lot of us do this very often. Examples are, I probably won't fit in these jeans this week, I didn't exercise at all, or I've eaten way too much, I probably gained 20 pounds, and need to exercise all next week. So taking these huge, way out of proportion examples, um, but we see this all the time. Um, another one is, I definitely don't have an eating disorder, I'm still eating even if it's way under what you should eat. So taking situations, blowing them out of the water, or that last one was an example of minimizing, saying, yeah, you know, I do fall into a lot of these things, but no, it's not a problem at all. Like, I don't need help at all. So a lot of us struggle with cognitive distortions day to day, but this is how they can look for someone with disordered eating. And if you found that a lot of this pertains to you, it's a good time to kind of think about what this can look like and double check yourself. Again, a lot of this today was my story and while yours may look similar, it also might look different. So please don't discount your experience if it doesn't align with what you heard or you experience different thought patterns. I hope that this podcast today has potentially helped you identify ways that you can change your behaviors towards a more healthy you or change the way you interact with others. I hope you've also been given more tools to help push past disordered eating and exercise and into intuition and to follow your body and mind. 
I hope you have a great day. And please, if you liked the podcast today, um, leave a rating and review wherever you've listened to this podcast. It helps out a ton. And you can even just select the stars. You don't even have to write a review if you don't want. But either one is really, really helpful um, and pushes the podcast. You can also share. I know that Spotify, you can share directly to your stories. And Apple, you can share even from a specific point in the podcast so if you really liked it i definitely would really appreciate sharing share to your family and friends and tell others about the podcast as well i seriously appreciate every single listen you guys are awesome and i'm really thankful for those of you who listen and share the podcast so come back next week wherever you listen to your podcast we'll have a new episode hopefully you liked this one a lot if you have any feedback or anything that you'd like me to know you can also reach out on instagram at not so niche.pod or on my personal at ariana k k a e um, and that is ariana with two n's not two r's sometimes i get that which is kind of interesting but Anyway, again, my name is Ariana Kay. This was Not So Niche. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye.